Um, if you guys weren't here last night, uh, my name is Darren, and uh, I'm a friend of Dave and Tim's and Casey, who works with the kids, and we used to all work at the same church together in Arlington. I live in Arkansas. I'm a pastor. Uh, wife's hot, three kids, uh, one stupid dog. Um, his name is Friday, the dog, because that's the day we got him. Um, okay, a little review, and then we're going to get right into it. Because I know you guys had big plans on Sunday afternoons in Temple, Texas. It's probably a whole lot like Little Rock, Arkansas. Nappy, nappy. Um, so last night what we looked at was this idea of unity, right? Uh, Dave called and said, hey, I want you to talk about unity uh, amongst uh, w- within the church, the body of Christ, uh, or the church, another way of saying it. Um, and so last night we began to... Uh, look at this passage of Scripture where Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth. And he's uh, basically saying a few things. He's saying this, um, we've, we've got to be unified. Okay, This church was kind of yayan with each other, kind of complaining and gripping. And uh, people were bragging about who had the best spiritual gift and who had the coolest God superpower and who uh, was the best in the church and who was the most important. So Paul writes this letter to him, and he's just kind of trying to clear some stuff up. Um, and he uses this illustration of the human body and says a few things through the illustration. Remember, he talks about how um, one part's not any more important than the other, right? The eye is not any more important than the ear. The ear's no more important than the hand. He talked about how we all uh, serve a purpose. And he also talked about how in the church, we can't all just be like one thing. We can't be like the mouth, right? Like this morning, I would be functioning as the part of the mouth, of the church this morning as I, as I speak. And he says, you can't all just be a foot or you can't all just be an ear or an elbow or a gallbladder. I don't think he said that. I would have, but he didn't. Um, and so we just kind of looked at the fact last night that God made each of us for a reason and he's gifted each of us um, in certain specific ways for a reason, and that when we're using those gifts and we're all working together in unity, that the body, the church, is healthy. And when we're not doing that, the church is sleepy, sick. This is awesome. I wish you could be where I am right now looking at, like this always happens on like the, the next morning after the big thing. Like, Let me show you what I'm looking at right now. You ready? Here's what it looks like. See how uncomfortable that is? Like how awkward that was for a few minutes? Look, it's me looking at like 130 of that. So just look. Just, I'm just saying. Just grin every now and then. I, well, like the junior high group, it was easy. Every now and then I'd just go, and then, <laughs> But you guys are way more distinguished than that. <laughs> I got to be real honest with you. Just between me and... Everybody in this room, I like y'all way better. <laughs> like you said that as if you were curious. Like all week you've been going, I wonder if he likes this better. And then I finally said it and you're like, woo! <laughs> we win. So here's what we're going to look at this morning. Okay, now that we've grinned 
and smile a little bit. Um, here's what we're going to look at this morning. Uh, we're going to look at what it takes to actually be unified, right? Like, what's the secret? What's the trick to it of, of us working together as a student ministry and, and in, a, in a church setting in your C group? Y'all have C groups? Yeah, every group that I speak to has got a different letter group. But y'all are C for Central Texas community. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I wasn't at the meetings. Um, what does it take? What does it take for us to, for you guys, to be unified and to work together and to be a healthy ministry? Uh, Paul actually gives us the answer in the very next chapter uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, I'm going to read kind of the, like the, the, the little passage leading up to the main one that we're going to be in, and then we're going to just jump right into it. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't, uh, didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And look, I got... This part of this letter to this church in Corinth, um, Paul was being a little snarky right here. Okay, let me explain that. Remember, this church was having trouble. They were arguing with each other. It was a contest amongst everybody. Who's the best? Who's the? Who does God like the most? Who gets this set in heaven? Who gets set by Jesus? They were having all those kind of talks, right? And so in this little in, the, in this little just grouping of verses right here Paul says this you can know all the tricks that there is to know you can have the spiritual gift you can heal you can talk in unknown languages you can have all of that you can have the faith to move mountains but if you don't love each other all that stuff is nonsense you can be the most gifted, the most talented um, student in your grade or in this group, and you can sing, and you can dance, and you can act, and you can lead a Bible study, and you know how to. You got a brilliant mind. You can memorize things, and you can explain. You can have all that stuff, but if you don't love each other, Paul tells this church, <laughs> junior high like that, right? You're nothing. You're nothing. It's pointless. It's a waste of time. I mean, he says. You have gained nothing if you don't do this with love. And so then uh, we get introduced um, to the wedding verse. Okay? If you've ever been to a wedding, which I'm sure some of you have, some of you have hopes of being in one one day. Right? Girls have already planned it out. Right? Guys couldn't care less. We don't care. Honeymoon? Yeah. Wedding? Not so much. Just saying. Like all the girls went, ah, all the guys were like, this dude knows what's up. 
Right, but this is the verse. This is the passage in the wedding, what we're getting ready to read. This is the love passage. Right, the pastor, me, if I'm doing your wedding, and I hope I get to, uh, but if I'm doing your wedding, uh, we're at some point in the thing, this is going to be one of the things we read. Right? It's on mugs. It's on plaques. It's on bookmarks. Your grandma is probably crocheted at some point. It's assuming she has hands. <laughs> you just ne- you never know. Blenders, tricky. But this is this is the wedding passage that we're fixing to read. But it's not like Paul. Paul didn't write this and go, "Okay, time out." Now let's talk about weddings. I got some stuff. I've been working on a list of things for lovers. That's not what this is. Okay? He's just continuing to write this letter to the church at large. Okay? So this is a letter to the church. This isn't a letter to the engaged people in the church or to the singles ministry. Right? This is a letter to the church. Now, look, this is good stuff for, for married people. I suggest if you're married, you do all these. I, I, I think it would benefit you greatly. Um, but this is just some uh, clear instructions on what it looks like to love each other. And this is why I like Paul. If you've read a lot of Paul's letters toward the back of the Bible, right? Uh, he, he's usually pretty clear. Uh, Paul is not one to use a lot of imagery. Like last night was kind of rare for Paul to go, and let's pretend you are a foot. Okay, that's kind of rare for him. He usually just goes, you stink, stop stinking, here's how. Okay, and that's what we get in this next passage on love. He says, he kind of gives this, look, you can have all this, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. And then he gives us some specific things. He doesn't say, so gather your friends and arms around shoulders and go out into the woods and have a fire. Because fires equal love. And gather some brush. Light it on fire. And the love will come up through the flames. And the smoky essence of love will cover you and make you stink for weeks. It's not what he says. Okay? It's not what he says. What happened? This is my fall. He goes, okay, here's what love looks like. He says, if you, if you, look, if you want the body, if you want the church, church in Corinth, church in temple, if you want the church to be unified, if you want this thing to be healthy, if you want your student ministry to be healthy, if you want your C group to be healthy, if you want your friendships to be healthy, he says, here's the list. Verse 4, chapter 13. Love is patient and kind. 
we're going to stop there. I mean, I could really end it there, and that's plenty to work on for most of us, isn't it? Like, just the patience part. Like, some of you right now, you're nodding, you're going, yeah, let's hurry this thing up and get out of here. Oh, yeah, that's what he's talking about. Love is patient. So the opposite of patient is impatience or wanting something now. Right? Wanting some results in your relationship now. That's impatience. That's the opposite of love. Love. If we want to be unified, we have to be patient with one another. Right? Because it wouldn't be fair for me to be part of, let's say, your group. Let's say Dave gets canned. Let's say I start a revolt. And I get Dave canned. I start some rumors about his teeth aren't real and he does steroids, that kind of stuff. Same part, obviously. (laughs) And Dave is gone and then I'm your youth pastor now because I'm way better. And I'm like, I'm going, okay, here's the first thing is everybody here is going to start speaking on Sunday mornings. We're just going to start with the A's, and you need to get up here, and next Sunday morning, uh, Angela Abels, you're up. And you speak first, and I want you to preach, and here's the passage. Get after it. And Angela gets up. Oh, I've never done this before. So scared. Okay, so... um. There's like, okay, so there's, okay, so there's Jesus, right? (laughs) And then I stand over on the side and go, Angela, come on. Just spit it out. Say words made out of letters. Combine those to form sentences. Let's go. Right? If I did that, right, that's not a healthy environment. For me to be impatient when somebody isn't just like me. And they're not as developed in their faith like I am. But that happens in youth ministries, in student groups. People aren't as far along, so you get impatient. And when we get impatient, we elevate ourselves above them. Because we're, we're already there. We got the shirt. We got a lot of stars on the chart. A lot of gold stars on our chart. Perfect attendance. We've got the ribbons. We got it. We won a prize last night. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. I was going to keep a count um, of how many times I heard, you suck uh, the week this weekend, because it's rather high at this point, because uh, I've heard it several times. And look, I know, you, I know you're just kidding. Right? You, don't, you, don't, you don't literally mean you are of no value uh, as a human being. You would only be of, of value as a vacuum cleaner. You suck. You don't actually mean that. I get it. Okay. Um, but that's, 
that's being rude, right? That's the opposite of love. And it says that love is not rude. Love is not boastful or proud. Right? Hey, look at me. Hey, look how awesome I am. I'm so cool. I'm so good. I'm so holy. So holy. Girls, you're so holy. You're so pure. Pure as the driven snow. Right? So holy. She, however, <laughs> is a tramp. being boastful and that's being proud. And we all know what the Bible says, right? Pride, pride comes before the fall. I had a girl in my youth, youth ministry, not the bad one where Carl that couldn't read, but when I was a, a youth pastor at one of my former churches, and she, God had laid it on her heart to share about her purity. And I said, okay, because she, she's pure spotless lamb and so i gave her the mic and she got up and she just shared about her commitments to the lord and how she's not even going to kiss a guy until their wedding kiss which i think could lead to some awkwardness (laughs) it's just my opinion look it's fine Anyway, and she shared from her heart and challenged all of the not-so-pure girls in our youth group, and there were several, (laughs) to shape up. Um, Three years later, she had to drop out of college because she was... Pregnant. And even to this day, she's raising a kid on her own. She came to our church a few months back. It's the first time I'd seen her since high school. Um, She's raising a kid on her own. She's just now gotten back into school. And quite honestly, life has been a mess. Right? That's not what love looks like. Right? Love doesn't boast about how awesome you are. And about how pure and good you are. Okay? The, uh, the, the opposite of, of being boastful, uh, being proud, is to lift up and encourage the people around you and take the focus off of yourself and encourage others. And then there's another word right here. Y'all thought I had skipped it. Girls, you thought I had skipped it, but I hadn't. Only making my way back to it. Love. Is not jealous. Now look. Um, probably nobody in the room that deals with this. Probably not. Like zero people. There's zero jealousy that has happened, say this morning, when you walked in and so-and-so was talking to so-and-so, and you could not believe that they were talking to so-and-so. And you got, you felt a little heat in your neckle region. I think that's the medical term. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. 
right in here, you felt heat, and you began to think of what you're going to say because so-and-so is talking to so-and-so, and she's got no business talking to him, or he's got no business talking to her. And so one of our first responses is to go and share your observation with a friend out of love for the situation. Can you believe they were eating chocolate donuts together? Right now, look, I'm, I'm kind of being silly right now, but jealousy tears apart student ministries. Probably more than anything else. Jealousy that I've seen tears apart student ministry. Because somebody's got something or someone that we want. Instead of us just kind of dealing with that and getting through it, what we tend to do is go get a group of people around us that will tell us what we want to hear. That we're okay for wanting that and for feeling this way about it. That we're okay for wanting him or wanting her and feeling this way about it. And then before you know it, we've got a couple different divisions in the group. Okay, and let me just, um, let me say it. I'll try to tippy-toe around this. You're not going to end up with them anyway. Sorry. Look, I'm no rocket surgeon, but I've been around enough teenagers, and I've been around enough, enough student ministries to, to realize this. Check this out. Most of your relationships will not last. Now, look, I'm not saying don't have relationships. This isn't that talk. This isn't the dating talk. Here's what I'm saying, though. I'm saying, let's think about, is it worth it to harbor these feelings of jealousy to the point that it rips apart and makes Christ's body sick. Let's move on. Okay, it does not demand its own way. That's another way of saying it's not selfish. Teenagers aren't. You guys aren't. You're selfless is what you are. You're giving life inspiring human beings that are typically the opposite of what I just said. (laughs) Look, I get it, and this is difficult. Look, this is difficult, okay? You're in a weird, difficult stage right now, okay? And don't let any adult ever tell you otherwise. Don't let any adult ever tell you that what you're going through right now, the things you're feeling, the things that are changing within you, the things you're struggling with, don't let any adult ever tell you that those things aren't real, legit, and difficult, because they are. And if that adult is saying that to you, just find their yearbook from when they were in high school. (laughs) And you'll see that they went through the same weird, awkward stages, voted most likely to fall. That kind of stuff, right? Because, look, this is hard, and it's hard when you're in the stage that you're in right now where you're trying to figure out what the heck you're all about and who you are going to be and where you're going to go and who needs to be the people in your lives that you listen to. You've got all this stuff going, and then for me to stand up and go and stop being selfish seems like a complete contradiction of what you're actually experiencing right now. And you know what? It kind of is. 
It kind of is. Because you're going through a stage right now that you, where you're pretty consumed. And I think it's okay to be consumed. I think it's okay to be kind of focused on, on who you are and who you're becoming and who you're going to be. But look, that doesn't excuse us from obeying God's Word. It doesn't excuse us from our selfish, hateful, sometimes destructive attitudes, actions, and words towards other members of the body of Christ. Look, if my, my finger starts twitching, okay, I recognize that my finger is twitching, but that doesn't excuse my finger from jumping up and jabbing me in the flipping eye. Bang! I'm like, oh, it's fine. He's just twitching. He's just twitching. You know how fingers get all twitchy and stuff. No. I've got to control that impulse. Even if it's twitching and wanting to twitch and it's growing and I don't exactly understand what's going on. I can't let it just run rampant and just cause destruction to eyeballs everywhere. That wasn't in the notes. Because <laughs> I don't have any. Okay, it doesn't demand its own way. That's selfishness. You ready? It is not irritable. It's not irritable! I am irritable. Let's just confess it. Father, I have sinned. Whichever direction it goes. It's been a while. I love my family. I love... You okay? I love my family. I love my wife. I love my kids. Some of them more than others. Ah, that's a joke. It's in the notes. I love them. I love them. I love my family, man. I love them. But you know what? There's times when I get home from work where I don't show that because I'm irritable. Daddy, come out here and watch me. Learn a new trick. My kids skate. It's all we do is we go stay at the skate park 24-7. I learned Come out here and watch. Learn a trick. Daddy, come here. Watch me. Okay, in just a second, buddy. Daddy's going to put his bag down. Let's start there. And then I'm probably going to get a Coke. And then I'm going to probably watch Oprah. <laughs> and maybe then. Daddy, come on, Daddy, come on, Daddy. And then before I know it, I've snapped, man. Just lost it. Look, I love my kids. But there's times I'm irritable and I'm not showing it. Look, irritability can really damage relationships and you don't even mean for it to. We all know this, right? You have a bad day, you have a bad test. You get out in the hall, you go into the next class. Somebody says, how's it going? Right? right after you've had this horrible experience of a test where you knew three of the 42 answers. <laughs> Look, I'm not real good with mathematics. Slim chance of passing that one. Right? And that's all you can think of is how you've blown it. Now, you know, you've gone from I blew it, I flunked a test, I'm going to flunk this deal. I'm going to have to come back to do this grade again. I'm never going to get into college. I'm going to work at McDonald's. <laughs> Late shift. 
and then your friend says, hey, how's it going? Shut up. I work at McDonald's. What? Yeah, before you know it, you've you've caused a tear. There's been a rip in the body of Christ. You didn't mean for it to, but look, love is not irritable. And if you look, here's you know what? Look, little trick from Uncle Darren. Here's what I do every day when I drive home. Ready? When I get in my car, I get in the Volkswagen. Drive a 1995 Volkswagen Golf, lower down, 17 inch, light blue rims. When I get in the Golf, plaid seats. And I drive home. On my way home, every day on my way home, I say, God, um, please help me just to love my kids. I'm tired. It's been a long day. But I don't want to snap at them. I don't want to be irritable. Just help me love my boys and enjoy my time with them and hang out with Reese and enjoy my time with her and, and pay attention to Ashley and not check out and just let me be there and not be irritable the rest of the night. So maybe we got to do that. Um, Verse 6, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. This is a good one. Um, It does not rejoice about injustice. Look, you know what love doesn't do? Love doesn't get excited when the people around you fail. Or the people around you become hurt. Or the people around you uh, get what you thought was coming to them. That's not love. That's the opposite of love. Love rejoices for others. Love rejoices when others are increased in their stature, when they get a better grade than you, when they get uh, to start and maybe you don't. Love rejoices. Seven. Love never gives up, never loses faith is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. I think if Paul would have maybe text this to the church, I think this verse 7 would have been in all caps. Because I think he would have really wanted this church to understand this is of utmost importance, church. Never gives up. Never loses faith. Always hopeful. Endures through every circumstance. All caps, underlined, highlighted. Because here's the truth. Relationships are hard work. Look, just being a friend of somebody is tough. And I'm talking about, like, for the long run, it's tough. You, we, we all know this. We all have people that used to be our best friend that we don't even talk to anymore. Why? Because it takes work, and it's hard. It's difficult. And sometimes we go, I'm done. I'm done. This is... It's just too hard. Done. And when we're done, 
And when we walk away and we leave relationships in a mess and there's a path of destruction behind us, check it out. The church is sick. Becomes sick. Becomes ill. Paul knows this because they already have started. Look, this church isn't very old that Paul's writing this letter to. It's a pretty new church. It's just been around a few years. And it's already started. And Paul goes, hey, check it out. Love has to endure this. Love has to get through it. Love cannot give up on each other. Um, we have a friend. It's uh, Hudson, my eight-year-old. It was his kindergarten teacher, Miss Vick. And Miss Vick uh, got pregnant this last year with twins. Um, excited, everything's we're having twins. You know, after she freaked out, awesome, two at once, yay, it's perfect. After she did that, she's so excited. About halfway through the pregnancy, they run a test and they they recognize that. Some stuff was not going as planned. It just didn't look right. And then they got further along, and the doctors finally came to Carrie and said, "Um, these, these babies may not make it. There's something going on with one of them in particular. It looks like the little boy is not getting the fluids that he needs to get. It's not looking good. And probably, depending upon how long this thing goes on, the little girl, she's probably going to get sick too. It's just not looking good. Devastated, man. Just devastated. They have no kids at this point. And now the two that she's carrying doesn't look like they're going to make it. She went into labor super early. Um, did an emergency surgery. She has the babies, and, and each one of them were um, about the size of this Coke bottle. In fact, there's pictures of Doug, her husband, of just holding them in his hand like this. And sure enough, the, the little boy was really sick. And uh, he only made it a couple of days and, and died. And, it, you know, awful situation. My wife, Ashley, and Carrie are real good friends and just tough. But the uh, little boy just kept fighting. He just kept getting after it. He just kept fighting. I mean, a little girl. She just kept fighting. She just kept fighting. She just kept fighting. And several months ago, she actually got to leave the hospital, and now she's a healthy little girl, and, and they're excited about that, and they're home, and it's just good stuff. But during that time, here's what they learned. Here's what... The doctors told her that typically in that kind of situation where there's um, trauma, where there's sickness, where things aren't right, that girls have a tendency to fight a little harder. Isn't that weird? Guys, you hate me right now? Because right? we're tough, right? No, no. I, can, I will fight. I'll fight you, guy with the mic. I'll show you you can fight, little girl. 
they do when they're in that situation. Girls will fight harder. I mean, she was the size of that Coke bottle and was fighting for her life and would not give up, whereas boys typically will give up sooner. And because she fought, she made it. Now, yeah, there was some other stuff going on there. That wasn't the only factor. But the doctor said, look, if, if she would have given up, there's, there's no way she would have made it either. That's what love does. And if you want this to be a, a healthy student ministry, you want your relationships to be healthy, you want this thing to be a unified body operating the way it's supposed to be, that's how we have to love each other. That's it. There can be no excuses. There cannot be this, well, I'm a teenager, and i got junk going on at my house, or I've got stuff going on at school, or you just don't understand my situation. I don't get any of that. You're right. I don't understand it. And some of you are in some jacked-up environments. But in order for the body of Christ to be healthy... We have to fight through it, and we have to continue to love. Not just for our benefit, but there's a bigger picture going on here. One last verse, and I'm done. John, uh, uh, in the book of John, Jesus had sat down with his disciples. Jesus had, called a, had kind of called out Judas. Judas gets up and leaves the room. They're sitting around a table eating, hanging out. And then Jesus um, begins to talk to his crew about what's fixing to go down. And then he says this. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Now, look, these guys were very familiar with what commandments were, right? They knew the rules. They knew the commandments. They knew the top ten. And there was way more than the top ten in their culture and in their faith, being Jewish. There was lots of commandments. And so here comes Jesus, and he's going, before I go, I've got a new one for you. And you guys need to get this. And here's what he says. You need to love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. And then 35, he drops it, right? He just lays it down on these guys. Here's what he says. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world, to everyone else outside of our faith that have their doubts, that have their questions, from this point forward, your love for each other will be what proves that you truly belong to me. Not your t-shirt, not your necklace, not where you go to church, not your bracelet, not how many mission trips you go on. Not how many Bible verses you memorize. Jesus said, your love for one another will be what proclaims, what shouts to the world that you belong to me 
the Messiah, Jesus. High school students, Temple, Texas. Your love for each other. And then the unity that will exist because of that love will be what shouts to your schools, to your friends, to your families, to your teammates, to those at your jobs. Your love for each other will be what shouts to them that you truly belong to Jesus. a big challenge. But check it out. If Jesus didn't think you could do it, it wouldn't have been said. He thought his guys could do it. He says to these guys, you can do this. You've got this. You have to do it. Eternity is counting on you to do it. So this morning, I say the same thing to you guys. Eternity is counting on us to love each other. You guys pray with me. God, we love you, and we thank you for first loving us. And God, may we take what we've heard from your word this weekend, and may we put it into play. May it not just be some good stuff that made us feel good, but God, may it be stuff that we can go directly out of this building and get to work on it, and get to loving each other, and being unified, and that this ministry, that this church, uh, become a healthy representation of you. And God, through that health, and through that unity, and through that love, God, we pray that others would turn their hearts in your direction. God, I love you, and I thank you for this opportunity to be here. I thank you for these awesome students and their leaders. Um, And God, I just pray that what we've done here this weekend does make you smile and that what we'll do tomorrow will make you smile as well. We praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Dave.